What's up everybody, Brad here back again. Hopefully you are having a lovely week. Um, it is the middle of August, sometimes known as the dog days of summer in the Northern Hemisphere. It is nice and hot outside. Hopefully the temperatures will be coming, coming down soon. That pumpkin spice will be coming back. And uh, yeah, we'll be rolling into the fall here before we know it. But a lot of things going on this week. Um, a lot of things in the enterprise world, a lot of things in the gaming world. Um, a lot of good questions this week, which I, I know I say every week is my favorite part because it really is, it really is. But we're gonna kick it off here with some news. If you're looking for timestamps, if you're on the YouTubes, you'll find those down in the description. Uh, but Microsoft has announced, well, an employee of Microsoft who works on the product has announced that Windows Virtual Desktop is now feature complete. If that makes sense to you, look for that to arrive sometime potentially around September. I expect that Microsoft will be talking heavily about this feature at Ignite. Um, now that that is basically all done, they're just basically, they're, they're cleaning it up, getting it ready to ship, slap that GA stamp on it, and then shoving it out the door. Other things Microsoft announced this week, they said, hey, um, we have a new fast track program for migrating off of Windows 10, which is great. Um, ha happy to see that Microsoft is putting this in their fast track program. If you're not aware, and hopefully you are, uh, in January of 2020, Windows 7 will be reaching its end of support. It's not technically dying, but you're not gonna get any more patches, um, which you're gonna want because of there's some a bunch of bad stuff happening out in the world and keep yourself protected. Anyways, if you're a corporate company and you're buying more than 150 licenses, you will now be eligible for that fast track program to help you kind of move your butt a little bit faster. It's a little odd that they're doing this now, but hey, whatever, here we are. Uh, also, if you are looking forward to the OneDrive storage plans, I know I'm in that bucket. It looks like they're getting ready to launch. Microsoft announced these back in June. Mr. Walking Cat, as he has always done, has found some evidence that this stuff is about to launch. So finally, we'll be able to buy more storage for OneDrive. Now, keep in mind that you have to be an Office 365 subscriber to do this. So if you're not doing that, well, you're kind of screwed. But um, realistically, you get one terabyte with Office 365, which is roughly what they're charging for a terabyte anyways. So basically think of it as getting free apps uh, with your additional storage. Uh, outside the Microsoft world, it looks like there's going to be an iPhone event on September 10th, according to the latest beta that Apple has shipped based on using uh, historical information. Typically, they will put the date icon on the date of the announcement in the screenshot of the home screen. And so it's saying September 10th, which is a little over a month away, three and a half ish weeks, something like that. And so, yeah, we shouldn't have to wait too long to find out what's in the iPhone 11. Although, is there really anything in there that you're going to be like, wow. I mean, we know there's going to be new camera. It's going to be a faster process or something, probably like A13X. I don't even know. Um, no haptic or no whatever forced 3D touch. They're taking that away, apparently, it seems. Who knows? I'm not expecting anything great. The only thing that I honestly really care about, and this is this is like peak pettiness. The only thing I care about anymore is getting my fingerprint sensor back. I, I'm not a fan of Face ID. Yes, it works. Don't tell me how great it is because it does not work with my sunglasses on and I have to look at the stinking phone and it it's really bad with Apple Pay. Apple, give us back the fingerprint sensor. I know fingerprint reader. I don't think that's coming this year. And um, yeah, so whatever. Um, that is that. Now, um, in the gaming side of the world, there's some interesting things going on this week. Phil Spencer is making the, the media round, right? He's done a big deep dive with GameSpot and he's shown up a few other places. This is interesting from just, if you understand how Microsoft works, they don't let their executives just go talk willy-nilly anytime they want. I mean, yeah, they can go do it, but it's usually 
very staged, very rehearsed, very targeted, and they have specific reasons about what they're doing and why they are talking to certain media outlets. Like, it's not just Phil wakes up one day and says, hey, I'm going to go talk to Wall Street Journal for an hour. Like, it, it, these things are orchestrated and set up and, it, and it's methodical and companies don't just do this. So the question becomes, why is Phil just now suddenly in the middle of August doing a media round about their xCloud service? Well, there's a lot of good things happening. And so GameSpot did a good uh, a good job getting Phil to talk. Like a good interview isn't asking the right questions. I mean, technically, yes. A good interview is getting the person to talk freely about an, a, a topic. That is the, the goal of a good interview. And GameSpot did a good job of this. And so one of the things that they came out with is that Phil Spencer very clearly, and they've got a lot of interesting thoughts on this, I think. Phil Spencer very clearly came out and said, hey, we are no... We are not going to build a streaming-only console. Now, if you go back like six, eight weeks, I said, hey, Microsoft is working on one, but he's now saying they are not going to ship one. you got to understand that where the information comes from that I talk about here and, and a very clear evidence to support this, it, it's things that Microsoft is working on, not always necessarily shipping. You can look at when I talked about the diskless Xbox One like six, eight months before it shipped. These things happen. I guarantee that Microsoft has um, a, a cloud console. They also have different versions of Scarlet and all that. It's just what is going to ship. And so I believe this, this interview conversation was talking a lot about how Microsoft is going to position xCloud and kind of really ignore all the other things that some of they had said because they even talked again and, and Phil tried to clarify yet again how when he said consoles uh, two years ago, I guess, at E3, he's now just saying it's just one console. And I think that was part of the interview was to clear the, like, clear the ground that they are only shipping one console and that is it. And he is trying to, he's trying to claw back that information that was previously out there. That being said, he does talk about a lot of interesting things in the interview, specifically talking about how they are not targeting the PC for xCloud. That is not their expected endpoint. They envision xCloud as being a mobile device companion to your PC or Xbox experience, which I think makes a lot of sense. They are targeting the phone. The phone is where they are expecting most people to use xCloud, which is a key differentiator than how Stadia is being positioned, right? Stadia is being positioned as the be-all, end-all. It doesn't matter what device you're on, you'll use your browser um, to play Stadia, including the PC. And Phil, in his interviews, is talking about how, hey, uh, we actually expect PC gamers to still play PC games with their PC, and their console gamers still expect to play console games on their console. Now, granted, xCloud will work on these platforms, but that is not the expected functionality of the device or the, the service. The expected functionality is that, hey, uh, you're you're on the road and you want to play and, and you, you pull out your phone or your laptop or whatever you're using and then you play just a little bit because you're on the road. But when you're at your home, you use the best device available, right? It's kind of like that old saying of the best camera is the one that's in your pocket. Well, the best gaming device is the one that, that you have available, right? And so that could be PC, Xbox, and all that good stuff. But it really kind of broadens the horizons of how Microsoft is also envisioning gaming as being everywhere. He talks about Minecraft on PlayStation and all that. But specifically, he says, um, that's why we focus on the phone, on the experiences, not the same as running the games as on an Xbox One X. I'm not going to say that it's an 8K, 120 hertz things. That's not what we're doing. We're doing to be to bring convenience and choice to your phone. 
that's interesting because basically what they're doing is they're putting a new gaming app store model on your device, which Microsoft currently does not have access to, right? Right now, if you are an Xbox gamer and you want to buy an Xbox game, you can't do that on your phone. Microsoft is looking at xCloud as a way to bring a new app store model to the billions of mobile phones out there, which is a very, very interesting idea because it opens the door yet again to more people buying Xbox titles than they would if there was only being sold on the two devices. This is Microsoft's strategy, and I've said this a ton of times on this podcast, they want to sell more games. They don't want to sell more hardware. Yes, they're going to ship hardware. I'm not saying they're not doing that. But Microsoft's benefit, long-term success in the Xbox world is going to be selling more titles because that gets more publishers on board, that gets more exclusives on board, and that makes it easier for them if a publisher can come to Microsoft and say, hey, we'll build a plat, we'll, get, we'll build a game for Xbox. And Microsoft will be like, sure, that is great. And guess what? We'll put in xCloud, no additional charge. And then your game will also be available on phones, which is a, a multi-billion device access point on all the PCs and all you gotta do is just build it for our platform and then bada bing bada boom it's everywhere that is the model that Phil Spencer is chasing he doesn't want to sell consoles he wants to sell games and he's doing a very damn good job of making that sales pitch internally and externally at Microsoft and we know that because Satya and Amy Hood are opening up the checkbook to allow him to go buy the studios because he's making the pitch that hey if we have more content more people will buy titles and we'll make more money it's really really interesting to see how forceful this model is and when you look at xCloud as being primarily for the phones it begins to answer that question of who would pay for xCloud, right? It's the same thing of why would you pay for Stadia if you can play Destiny through an, a browser or Destiny on your local PC hardware? And I will argue and I will die on the hill that you always get better performance locally as versus the cloud. It makes sense when you say Microsoft's only targeting the phone for now. I'm not saying it won't work on your PC or your Xbox, but they're targeting the phone, which is a very smart move. And I think it is the better application of the cloud streaming services rather than trying to be a be-all end-all solution and then he also points out something else that i think a lot of people forget it's a very salient point he says a lot of us think of of netflix as this great service that just works on everything and streams there a lot of people forget that netflix is 20 years old it took them 20 years to get where we are today xcloud and stadia aren't going to be overnight these blockbuster successes where everything is perfect and you're getting 4k and 120 hertz and all it's not going to be like that and i would be very surprised if xcloud stadia or any other service that comes online has that home run moment day one it's going to be a methodical calculated approach and microsoft's approach for now is to target the phone users which i think makes a lot of sense so uh, just keep that in mind as you hear about this stuff going forward so uh, we're going to dive into the questions this week. As I said, always my favorite part. And I, I tweet that out. So follow me on Twitter. You can find links wherever. Um, but here we go. Mr. PKI, a frequent listener and commenter, by the way, uh, says, now that you've heard about Microsoft's integration into the new Samsung mobile phone and the upcoming Google Pixel 4 camera, are you still sticking to the iPhone? Uh, yeah. So even though I was just kind of trashing the next-gen iPhone earlier in this podcast, the reason why I am sticking to the iPhone is for a couple of reasons. One, my family, uh, meaning my wife and my parents and my brothers and all that, all use iPhones and we use FaceTime frequently. And so until FaceTime is available, yes, I know I could convince them all to switch to Skype, but it's FaceTime just works a hell of a lot easier and it's baked in. The bigger reason, though, is because of my daughter, um, 
there's not there's not a good tablet out there in the Android world. And so giving her an iPad, I have better parental controls with an iPhone. And so I'm sticking with the iPhone for now. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're just, to me, an iPhone is a Toyota Camry and Android is a Honda Accord. They're both very similar and you're hopefully everybody's happy with what they cho choose, chose. Um, but there's no hill worth dying on there for me at the moment. Uh, Simon says, with the amount of Windows 7 P PCs still in production around the world, do you think Microsoft is going to land, uh, end up issuing emergency patches like they have done for Windows XP over the years, uh, even though they said no more patches from February? I do. I, I would be willing to bet that sometime after January 14th, 2020, Microsoft will end up shipping a patch that updates Windows 7 when there is a critical issue. There were some big issues uh, patched on Tuesday with a, a, a wormable exploit. Although Microsoft discovered it themselves, it was never known in the wild, but they did uncover issues. Um, so I absolutely expect, now you can't count on that, but micro, I, I would be willing to bet that Microsoft does it. Uh, NGC224 says, any insight on what Microsoft event in October, or is it just another Panos dud? Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's just going to be a refresh of the hardware. If you're, if you're expecting some sort of, um, PC miracle to happen in October, I think you need to kind of lower that stuff. Uh, what I expect we'll see is updated chips. I don't know if we're going to see Ice Lake. I, I'm still hearing that we may not see Ice Lake, uh, but you will definitely, I believe, see USB-C. I don't think it's going to be Thunderbolt though. Um, an ARM device appears to be on the agenda if they, if they're going to make it up there, it's going to be powered by the Excalibur system on a chip. And so, yeah, uh, I'm hoping we see the earbuds. I don't know if we are going to, but I know that, again, they are working on them. Whether or not they ship is a different thing. So, yeah. Uh, Psychoker, I think. Um, hey, Brad, I have a question about CoreOS. Will it be impossible to store CoreOS on stuff like, on my stuff like Windows 10, or is it be just included with the device? Uh, have a great day from Luxembourg. So, we don't currently know enough about it. Is it technically possible when Windows Lite ships to install it on anything? Yes. Will Microsoft let us do that? We don't know the full story yet. Um, the, the reason why I know that it can install on existing Windows 10 devices is I know people at Microsoft who were able to grab the images and then install them on surfaces and, and things like that. So it's technically possible, but Microsoft could limit that in the future. Uh, 66 Mustang, if that is 1966 Mustang, very, very envious. Uh, a few months ago, you evaluated several mesh Wi-Fi systems. Which one did you go with? Recently, you talked about running a hardware from your basement into your den. Uh, was mesh a bust? So, um, I use Amplify HD Home. It's made by Ubiquity, and so it's a little box, and then there's two endpoints. And so, the reason why I like hardwired is it's hardwired. It, you, you will always get better performance with a hardwired device, especially um, like on Xboxes. And because of the way my house is situated, it, it's very easy for me to run cabling in it until we finish all, all the basement up. I have an exposed ceiling in my basement. So it's very, very easy to run cable. Why did I give up on mesh? I didn't give up on mesh. Um, we still use it all over and it's great. I, I would recommend the Amplify HD system. I know many people ha have had good luck with uh, the Google system, although I'm, I, I don't want to give Google, personally speaking, that much access to my life and that data. I don't know what they're doing with all of it. I really don't want to find out. So that's why I went with the Amplify HD and also Ubiquity makes really good enterprise grade stuff. And so um, this is just their consumer line of it. I am personally happy with it. Basically I put two nodes, 
um, on each corner of my house and now I get great coverage actually in my entire yard so when I'm cutting the grass I listen to music and I, I never hit LTE and so I'm always on my network all over um, but for critical devices and just more frankly because I can I, I will run a wire uh, when doing it also if anybody who's not familiar and watching this long enough I am a habitual tinker I will I will change things up just for the sake of changing them up not because there's any issue and so it sometimes bites me in the butt more often than not it does like when I try to build a NAS uh, a, a roll your own NAS device a couple last week and that didn't work out so well so yeah so I'm always tinkering but anyways mesh systems are fine you, you should be fine buying one um, arrow I believe E R O makes a good one that many people are happy with. And so, yeah, keep that in mind, keep that in mind. Uh, Avarado says, Brad, the Surface Go keyboard was designed uh, with extra connectors, but the type cover and the device, he's exactly right. The, uh, oh, it's right here. I can show this off. So what he's referring to here is, see those little pins? There's extra pins. I don't have a Surface Pro keyboard close enough that um, is not on the Surface Pro. Now the question becomes, and he's asking, is did we ever figure out what they're for? And candidly, I don't quite know. Um, it was speculated that it was because of this device right here, the USB-C, that that is why there was extra pins or could be future functionality. We don't, we never got the full story on why Microsoft included that. Um, on the Surface Pro 6, which shipped uh, last October, they did not have the extra pins, I believe. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll find out. I'm going to be curious to see what this fall surface does if when they switch to type C, which it, it doesn't have Thunderbolt, so I don't know why it would, but it could be related to that. So we will see. It's a, that's a good question. I totally forgot about that. Um, hi, Side Choker with another question, but always, always appreciate it. Uh, now that Mixer has got a bit of attention, do you think Microsoft would consider making Mixer a YouTube competitor? Interesting thought. There's a couple things to digest here. One, what Microsoft has built, well, they bought, remember, it was called Beam Pro, I believe, and now rebranded to Mixer, and then they got Ninja, and they're getting a whole bunch of traffic, is could they turn that into a YouTube competitor? Potentially. I mean, it's not outside the realm. I think, personally speaking, Microsoft needs to stay laser-focused on making it the best game streaming platform service in the world. Um, they've got a big challenge with Twitch. They are getting some momentum of people leaving Twitch because there's a lot of drama on Twitch about who they ban and who they don't ban. That aside, um, Microsoft has a previous historical problem of trying to make one solution fit every scenario. And I think it's in their best interest right now to keep Mixer focused on game. Microsoft has had this, the ability to, to host video. Um, they have an internal, pro well, not even internal, but it's included in, I think it's called Stream, uh, in the Office 365 suite that allows you to embed stream video. Like that is not a challenge for Microsoft. It's can they get the population to actually make it a sustainable thing? Because you got to understand that YouTube is, it, it's very resource intensive to run a service like that. And I don't know if the margins even exist for that platform. Obviously, Microsoft makes a lot of money from advertising, uh, but there's been rumors and talk for years that YouTube is barely profitable if it is just because of the overhead infrastructure it takes to host that much video and to stream that much video all the freaking time. So um, could they do it? Yes, absolutely. Should they do it? I don't, I don't think it's in their best interest right now. <clears throat> Steve Star 88 says, will the 8CX be too expensive to put in the GOAT? Not a bad question uh, because actually Qualcomm, I believe made an announcement around a uh, Qualcomm 7CX, if I remember correctly. They did definitely create a lower spec 
ARM chip that would potentially make a lot more sense in the Go. The Go could, the 8CX is designed to be a premium ARM CPU system on a chip type thing. Um, and it very well could be too much for the Go. You're, you're, that's not a bad thought. And he says, what's MicroStrategy for mobile after having lost a battle to OS battle to Android? Will they no longer be consumer front and platform? How can they succeed in the consumer space like with xCloud when Google dominates the, the underlying platform with Android, Chrome, and YouTube? So Microsoft's mobile strategy is apps. They buy, they bought the best app, right? They bought Sunrise for Calendar, which still hurts me that they killed that. Um, they also bought Accompli, which is now their Outlook app. And then they have a lot of other applications like Edge and OneDrive. Their, their model now is basically to be a consumer app point integration. Look what they just did with Samsung with the integrated email app now being uh, Outlook. And they're also shipping their, uh, there's going to be a folder of all of their Microsoft crap um, on the Samsung devices. So that is their strategy. They're not going to obviously build a new phone platform. They do, still do have a very large consumer connection. Xbox right here, you, it's a very strong consumer brand. Um, Surface is quasi consumer brand. They definitely sell a lot in the enterprise. I believe it's over 50% now. Um, go to enterprise customers, which is what drives basically the decision making for some of those products, which is why sometimes it feels a little slow. Um, <clears throat> Thunderbolt 3. Anyways, so yeah, uh, keep that in mind that Microsoft, while they're not direct, I don't want to say they're not a direct consumer facing company. They're not, they've given up the dream of trying to be an Apple and an IBM, right? They are very happy being what they are. And anybody who's listening from Microsoft probably just winced at me. Uh, aligning them to IBM, but you know what I mean? Like IBM is all enterprise, Apple is mostly all consumer. And so Microsoft is just sticking to what they do best, which is productivity, which makes the most sense, productivity and development. Um, and so that is the model that they're going after. And by based on their stock pricing and their earnings, it is the right run. And what just crashed back there? Fantastic. Well, that is a, an appropriate end. The Surface Studio, I think the screensaver just crashed, but more than likely what happens is that device disconnects from the Wi-Fi. Um, it's not a Wi-Fi problem. It's that device, the insider bits don't like to stay connected to the Wi-Fi. And now I can't download the screensaver that I use. And that is a perfect end of this podcast. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for all the questions. I genuinely appreciate it. It gives me a lot of good story ideas for the following week. And have yourselves a wonderful week. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.